Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel America's number one sports book is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We continue on our 25 years series and this has been just so much fun, but this is the 7th or 8th now we've recorded here. Josh Levine joining me today. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. How are you? No complaints, not not at all. There's a lot of Joshes in the world, but uh, but appreciate uh, you coming on and doing this show. And we're going to talk specifically about that 2000 Jacksonville game at Baltimore where Baltimore finally got the monkey off their back. Yeah, I remember that game like it was yesterday. It's hard hard to believe, first of all, it's over 21 years ago. So if you were <laughs> born the day of that game, you've had your 21st birthday and now can buy your own legal beer. But it seems just like yesterday. It does. And, uh, it, 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 it was a gorgeous Sunday. The way it was probably a little hot, probably uh, might have even favored the Jaguars that game. But what an experience that was, because, I mean, to me, the game was such a, a swing of emotions and it was really a coming out party of the Ravens. I'm just excited to be able to have a chance to talk about it after all this time. Yeah, it's uh, it, it certainly is a wonderful day. And, and I, I've got to start this by saying this was the last Ravens game that I missed being at in person uh, in terms of home games. I've, you know, we've been to a fair number of road games, too. But in terms of home games, this is the last one I missed. We had, we had a big pool tournament that day, and, and I had to make the tough decision to, to, to go to that instead. And uh, Maureen has lorded that over me ever since. Isn't that the game you missed? And I was there. She, she does that all the time. It's not like she's been to every game since either, but she went to that Jacksonville game, and it's a, it's a great memory for her. But take us through a little bit, because the, the, the Ravens had won in week one at Pittsburgh in very convincing fashion, 16 yep. to nothing. But this game, they'd never beaten the Jags in eight tries. And Jacksonville coming to Baltimore, this was a big test for that team. Yeah, it was. Uh, I remember that that week one battle with Pittsburgh too, because it, we really dominated them that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was it was sixteen nothing, but it didn't feel like it. So 
you know, it kind of this game kind of reminded me of the game we experienced a couple weeks ago when the Chiefs came to town. You know, this was, you know, it's probably hard for people to believe because Jacksonville has been pretty horrific for the last, well, decade. Um, <laughs> but Jacksonville was really one of the cream of the crop teams of, of the AFC at that point, and they really had had the Ravens number. Uh, there have been a couple of really harsh games uh, that Jacksonville had. Tom Coughlin really had that franchise going in the right direction in its infancy. And coming in, you felt like this season was different. You felt like there was something special about this season based on, you know, the Ray Lewis trial was over. We had the high draft picks with Jamal Lewis and Travis Taylor and Shannon Sharp, the big free agent. There were so many things that really felt like they were lining up and were special. But once that whistle blows and the game kicks off, you don't know what's going to happen and to me, at the beginning, what we didn't want to have happened, happened. Yeah, that's for sure. So uh, the Ravens got behind 17 nothing in this game uh, fairly early on, midway through the second quarter, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know how, what, what specific plays you want to talk about in terms of the turning it around or how you were experiencing the game at the time. Yeah, well, I mean, I think b- before you get to the turnaround, I think the thing that really stood out to me was the way Jimmy Smith and Mark Brunell were in such lockstep, and it was possibly the worst game of Dwayne Stark's career. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of it was also bad luck. Uh, there was a specific touchdown in the right corner of the end zone that Smith caught. Starks was in pretty good position. Rod Woodson was probably a step behind, and Jimmy still made a great catch to really put them up with that 17-0. Um, but I think there was that big turnover the Ravens defense had. I, I, I wish I remember. You probably have the stats better. Maybe sure. in the second half. But they recovered the ball after scoring a touchdown. Maybe it was later in the game. And this is me showing my age. You might know what I'm talking about. No, it's it's uh, Jamie Sharper had a forced fumble on Mac with 10.09. It was way back in their own territory and then the very next play i think uh jermaine lewis scored to put him up 26 22 all right so i jumped way ahead but that to me was was the turnover and the play where i said we can win this game Mm -hmm. and everything had happened we had fallen down we had started coming back but when the defense stepped up and made that play you could feel the energy of the entire stadium change you could feel the energy of the players change right before your eyes and when lewis when Jermaine, I got to say Jermaine, because we had three Lewises at the time mm-hmm. uh, that I can think of. Maybe there was a fourth, but Jamal, Jermaine and Ray. When Jermaine scored the touchdown, everything changed. Like the entire aura around that team changed. I was a believer at that point that the team all of a sudden believed that they were contenders right there. Yeah, um, it, was a, it was. It was certainly that was a great sequence. So many great players on this team to talk about, but Jamie Sharper, remarkable forced fumble player that year. He forced five fumbles uh, that season, and he's not a he's not an edge rusher who gets a lot of opportunities to slap one free from the quarterback. These were good, you know, yeah. punch it out from a running back fumbles most of them. Well, and the linebackers back then, we were we were really playing that four three look back then. Yeah. So, and we had those edge rush guys, as you mentioned, and they were more hand in the dirt guys. I mean, it was a completely different defensive mm-hmm. concept than what we see the Ravens do today. But Sharper, I, 
I, I mean, you think about the three linebackers we had starting that game with Bulware, Lewis, and Sharper. I mean, they what a talented group. And Jamie Sharper, probably an unsung hero who probably doesn't get enough credit that he deserves for all he accomplished. But that play was huge. And I, I still can visualize Ray Lewis's reaction when the Ravens had the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about Ray being the heartbeat of that team. Holy smoke. Like his energy is always infectious. But if you get a chance, for anyone who's listening, watch the highlights of this game and watch Ray Lewis's reaction when Sharper has the ball. It, it, it'll give you goosebumps now 21 years later. Yeah, I wonder if that game's available out on YouTube or whatever. I mean, I certainly have a copy of it, but uh, but it's a it's a great game to rewatch when you have a chance. Yeah. So, uh, some of the other key moments maybe in this game for you in terms of of uh, of turning points. So, I think you know the biggest thing, even if you think about it, going into I think in the second in the sec when the beginning of the second half. When the team came out, I mean, we were down at halftime. I believe it was 23 to 7. And when you really take a look in the third quarter, the 23-yard touchdown pass that Travis Taylor caught from Tony Banks, that, first of all, as a fan, it made me feel like, oh, my God, we've got a wide receiver. We've got got a special player here, wide receiver. Travis Taylor ran such a crisp routes, particularly along the sideline that game. But that touchdown pass that bangs through to him, all of a sudden you're thinking, hey, we can get back into this. Look at what we just did. And that's right at the beginning of the second half. They came back and got a field goal, but then we were able to sort of, you know, we were able to get that ball back and then bring the ball back into, you know, back down the field and start making things happen. I think that was a Femi Ayambadejo's touchdown. But the touchdown pass from Tra- that Travis Taylor caught early on was so big. It opened things up for the Ravens offense. The, Ra- the uh, Jacksonville defense had to start playing differently because they had to take Travis Taylor seriously. Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's really kind of funny to say this today that, hey, we got Travis Taylor and Tony Banks. How can we lose? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, those two guys, because uh, it's a good year to be an Arizona Chargers fan. I, I, I just remember this commercial from ESPN from years ago where they're going through all the bad teams at the beginning of the season in November or December, and they're putting out all these guys like going to the bathroom and talking about their teams and how excited they were before the season started. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, anyway, Tony uh, Tony Banks really. Uh, this was the biggest game of his career with five touchdowns, yeah. and he'd done some great things on the road. He actually has a very significant, uh, you know, part of Ravens history with his two th- with his nineteen ninety nine, really getting the franchise on the right track in the second half of that year. Um, I think you'd have to say that that you know the run to five and one uh, would have been difficult without Banks. They had you know they had games where this game anyway where they really depended on him for for some offense. The other four actually were were really pretty one sided defensive games, but uh, but this was an important one. Yeah, I mean I've always wondered with Tony Banks too. Where did because th- there was talent there. We're not talking mm-hmm. about a guy who wasn't in a position where. He didn't have talent. I mean, this was a talented kid. I believe he was a second-round draft pick. He just didn't – 
he never could put it all together consistently. But you kind of figured when he when he particularly this year with Shannon Sharp and Ben Coates and we had, uh, you know, Kadri Ishmael, Jermaine Lewis had done some special things. I mean, this offense was pretty good. And to think we had Priest Holmes and Jamal Lewis. I mean, you're talking two running backs who a couple of years later are competing for league MVP and the best running backs in the game. Where did it go wrong for Tony? And what, you know, it's easy to blame coaches. And I know a lot of people like to blame Brian Billick and maybe, but who knows, but Tony Banks looked like the real deal in this game. And boy, did, did he lead that comeback? He was, he was such a big part of it because the Ravens struggled to stop. Yeah, they, they sure did. They, they, they had a lot of trouble, but if going back to banks for a second, I mean, I, I always come back to the fumbles with Tony Yeah, that, that he was a very chronic one per game kind of fumbler and uh, it, weirdest situations. He wasn't quite Kyle Bowler as like a, almost like a, a squirrel with a football. He didn't know what to do with it. And, you know, he'd kick it off his knee all the time and whatnot, but it just, anytime he was always had kind of smallish hands and the ball was always kind of loose there. Any kind of contact, there's just a good chance it was coming out. Um, you know, what Lamar does right now in terms of being able to accept blindside bumps and whatnot, Tony Banks, you, you got your arm on his arm. is a pretty good chance uh, it, the ball was coming out. Yeah, and I think the one thing Lamar and, and some other great quarterbacks have, which Tony Banks didn't, uh, was really the, those eyes in the back of his head to really have that sense of when the pressure's coming. Yeah. All right, so uh, a lot of other things are going on on this game, and I just have to have to mention a couple of these as we go. So the, the Ravens got ahead uh, twenty six to twenty two, and then they that lead extended and or was it twenty six to twenty three? But anyway, uh, that yeah. lead extended to thirty two to twenty nine before the big horrible play where Brunel completed yet another long bomb (laughs) down the right sideline to who Uh, else. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and let's see, that was the 40 yard touchdown to Smith Smith, late in the fourth quarter. So that was with only, let's see, minute and 55 to go. So the Ravens, Got the ball back with 145 to go. Do you want to kind of talk a little bit about that drive? Because there's some special players on that drive. I mean, where do you you start with that drive? Um, I mean, I don't want to start at the end of that drive by any means. But, I mean, to me, Shannon Sharp, like, justified his contract on that drive. But I think what also really goes unsaid is the job of the offensive line late in that game. You're in that situation where they're down. And I thought this was really a coming out party for what that offensive line was going to be for the rest of the season. So I'm a little bit, uh, Jeff Mitchell particularly stood out to me at that center position in this game, really anchored things on that drive. Mm -hmm. Uh, and really were able to give Banks the time he needed to throw. And then obviously the play that always sticks out to me is the, you know, the touchdown to Sharp. But I, there was a, didn't Kadri Ishmael have a big first down catch on that drive as well? I, I, the, the, the guy who was there is Billy Davis. Billy people Davis. forget about him because he was a great special teams player for the Ravens. Yeah, He played all 16 games, but he, but he only played a handful of snaps as a receiver and had four targets all year. Well, he had two receptions and they're both second and 10 conversions. They had incomplete both times on first down. And then they gained 19 and 15. It was like patting through Europe going down the field there uh, to, to bring the, bring the, 
um, Ravens to the 41 yard line with 105 to go. Yep. Then they had a then they had a pass to Ian Badeja for 12. That got him to the 29 yard line. A spike leaves him with 48 seconds, and then it was the over the over the middle, right down that right seam, uh, pass to Sharp for the uh, for the touchdown from 29 yards. That, and it wasn't that, right in the end zone either. They had a shot to stop him, but. Yeah. Shannon Sharp wasn't being stopped on that play. Yeah, he rolled right over. I, I don't remember who the defender was there, but he did roll right over him. Yeah, yeah he hit him pretty hard. If I see the name, I, I bet I could remember. But, uh, whew. yeah. The Ravens still did not have it won. Nope. Yeah, you know, because you had Mark Brunel with 41 seconds. And today, you know, with the, with the length of field goals, we wouldn't we wouldn't think, we would not be feel safe at all. And Mike Hollis had one of the best career ga- games of his career. I'd made all five field goals in yep. that game. So, it, it, you know, not a sure thing for, for any sense. Peter Bulware came up with a huge sack. And then Corey Harris intercepted a fourth and 14 throw with four seconds to go. And, and uh, the hay was in the barn, as they say. Yeah, you know, I, I know a lot of people refer to, you know, always think about the Harris play, but I think the Bulware sack was so critical yeah. on that drive because Burnell was really thinking at that point and wasn't, Burnell was normally very good at making those quick reads, getting that throw out, and there was a little bit of a hesitation in his step, and that's kind of ultimately what led to that Harris interception, and Harris sealed the deal, and as you said, the hay was in the barn and the party started. Yeah. Uh, just one of those great games, obviously. And and some of this, uh, you know, I've watched it many times since, of course, but I was listening to it on the way home from this pool tournament and regretting like heck that I had done it. Uh, but it was good, a, a great game for, for Baltimore to finally get it done and, and beat 2-0 and that season. They, they went to Miami, had a little bit of a letdown game the next week where they lost. But uh, but this game was was very special. Yeah, we were we were famous for those letdown games for a pe- for a period of time. But I think what also stood out to me so much is this was really the first time I remember that as a fan you started to worry a little less about not having the ball late with this defense. There, there, and I felt like this game gave the defense that extra push from being good to great, and they just understood what it took. All the pieces came together for them with all that talent on how to lock down and close out a game. And you just think about the talent on that defense. We talked about the linebackers, but if you think about your Syragusas, your Burnett's, you had McAllister, Starks, Rod Woodson, Kim Herring, that's a loaded team and a guys who had some brilliant careers. Yeah. So the, everybody remembers the starting 11 and they were certainly great. And yep. and the point I always like to make is that this team played more DB heavy packages than any Ravens team in history. Tons of, well, except the 2019 team, they played 34 and a half percent diamond quarter. And the guys, the three guys they brought in real journeymen, but Marvin Lewis knew how to make them, make them right. Yep. Robert Bailey, James Trapp, and Corey Harris were terrific players, and, and they were on for a lot of high-leverage snaps. Well, and you also had a guy at the linebacker spot. He was that fourth linebacker in Cornell Brown. He really had a strong year that year and did a lot of special things. And you're right, Marvin Lewis really knew how to play to the strengths. And by the way, for all those starting 11 I meant, I didn't even mention Mike McCrary. So mm-hmm. what type of Ravens fan am I talking about one of the biggest <laughs> seasons from McCrary, and I didn't mention them. Yep, just a it's 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 it was a day not to forget and uh, and really special 
uh, I think for Ravens fans. And, uh, you know, they, they went through a, they scored 36 points in this one, sorry, 39 points in this 39. one. And then they went through a whole month of October where they scored 50 points and it was all the kicker. So, or, or maybe it was 51 points, but you know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was, it was, it was Five all games uh, without a touchdown. Yeah, that was so yeah, much but, fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you think about it, think of how many touchdowns they scored here. It, you know, they scored what five touchdowns in this game, I believe. Yeah. I Tony Banks did right. five yep. touchdowns. And uh, then they went five games without one. What what would have the difference have been if he didn't throw those five here and spread them out over the others? We might not have been having this conversation today. Yeah, maybe not. Or, you know, they could have won some of those games, too, because they all of those games they lost close. Yeah. I mean, they lost nine to six to Pittsburgh and, and they lost uh, 10 to three to Washington and they lost, let's see, 14 to six to to Tennessee. So, yeah, it, it would have. Could have been a, a, a very different story, certainly, but that uh, that seemed very special. And and it's I think we don't really know to what degree the defense was really getting on the offense and saying, you know, hey, it, this can't continue. You guys need to start pulling your own weight and whatnot because it's easy. It's a, it's a formula when you have one side so much stronger than the other for divisiveness within a locker room. Yeah, you a hundred percent correct, and I think also the defense kind of figured out who they were as a team, but I think also something to be real reminder of, and granted it could have been how the game was going, Jamal Lewis real and his insertion into the starting lineup is what really catapulted the Ravens in that second half of the season. Priest Holmes had a great year, but there was a difference at least to me once Jamal became in and Priest Holmes was more of that mm-hmm. change of pace back. Obviously he'd go on to have a brilliant career uh, with the chiefs uh, starting the following year. But when Jamal came in, that kind of helped the offense really form their identity and get back to more of that power running game. I think Brian Billick even had the comment of, I've been turned to the dark side <laughs> uh, when it came to adopting the run. Cause at the time, you know, he was supposed to be the greatest passing wizard after all the success he had with uh, Randy Moss and Randall Cunningham in, uh, in Minnesota. Yeah. It's a, it's a Jamal didn't run much in this game. So he ran five for 16 against Pittsburgh, five for seven against Jacksonville. And, and it was a case of, he was still recovering from a preseason injury is my yep. recollection. And then they were planning to get him in more and he went nine for 76 against Miami in that Sunday night game. And yep. then he, and then he really took off from there 25 for 116 against Cincinnati and um, finished with 1,364 yards that year, which, I guess uh, most people do remember just how great he was and, and, and what a problem it was to lose him before 01. Yeah. And I mean, on top of that, you had Priest Holmes, who I believe, I believe Priest finished with over 500 yards rushing. So between the two, I want to say he was at 501, but I might be making that 588. Up. All right. I was, I was 87 yards off. You're good. But, uh, you know, there, what a special one two punch that was. And then Dilfer really able to, to really be that game manager that they needed, you know, with that defense, they they were just so connected at the end of the season, but it all started here. The defense figured out how to lock things down at, at the end of this game. And this was the game where I felt, I feel like this is the game. The team learned how to win. They learned how to be winners, not just win, but be winners. Yeah. You, know, you make a great point about Dilfer being a game manager, because that's the one thing I don't think Tony Banks could have been for this team. 
is a, is a guy who would manage a game. Again, he's too much of a high variation player in terms of, of the fumbles, for one thing. And it's not like Dilfer was perfect in terms of turnovers. He threw t- 12 touchdowns, had 11 interceptions in 2000. Right. And yet he won because he was very he, – he, he tried to avoid bad decisions yep. and, uh, and got him in. And then he was better in the, in the postseason as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing about it, too, is, you know, sometimes particularly a young quarterback like Banks was not that Dilfer was old, by the way. He was only, uh, what, six or seven years into the league. Not like he's an old man, but sometimes the younger players, which Banks still was, they try to do too much versus just doing what's asked to them. And that's very football cliche. But when you try to force things in that you don't really have the mental aspect to understand where are we in the game and when should I take that chance versus I shouldn't that kind of kind of impacted Banks throughout his career. Yeah. I, I, it's he, he didn't succeed in St. Louis, obviously he came to Baltimore and, and in 1999, the thing I'm most happy about with Banks is that he, he pulled the Ravens out of the horrible start with Jeff Mitchell, yes. got them started on the right track in that second half with their first big winning streak. Uh, included that you know the big game at Pittsburgh with the three bombs to Cadre and the, and the huge win at home over Tennessee, which was that was the most impressive win in in, in team history at the time, and it's not yep. far from that still. Um, oh, it was amazing, and he really was the right he was the right quarterback for that season, and he probably was the right quarterback to start this season because mm-hmm. who knows what happens if Dilfer's the guy coming out, but the players believed in in Tony, and we did have some talent at the skill set, which we didn't have for a few years, you know, once O two and O three started coming around. But I'm always mind blown uh by Travis Taylor. Who who would have thought that his peak career game would have been the second game of his career? Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Is it you really he really never got back to that same level before the two thousand injury. And I don't think it was related to the injury. I, you know, some of it was related to having Kyle Bowler as his quarterback and that yeah, didn't help. It, it, uh, yeah. I will say this about about Taylor is that he never really benefited from having a good quarterback. Uh, he, you know, Dilfer was not really okay. Banks might have been the best guy he had thrown to him in his in his in his career. And I have to think about who he who he went to with Minnesota, whether it was Cole Pepper at the time or whether it was somebody else. But uh, you know, it's it's a it's just a, a tough um, you know you can you can you can not get the right quarterback if you're a coach and that was definitely true of brian billick but you can also not get the right quarterback as a receiver and never have your career work out and i believe when he went to minnesota it was cole pepper at first but then cole pepper had that knee injury that same season so and i can't remember who the backup was but yeah you're right i mean who knows what would have been had brad johnson come here instead of elvis gerback in 2001 Mm -hmm. who knows what if what that could have done for a travis taylor yeah, that might have eliminated the bowler draft pick, too. That would have been pretty yeah, that would have been simple. nice. No offense, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Josh, fantastic having you on for this. I appreciate you, you you giving us a real thorough kind of look at this this great game in Ravens history. And I know a lot of people we've had, by the way, seems to be a lot more people want to discuss a big loss than a big win for whatever reason. But but I'm happy to do this because I've, I've, we've been off down our trips <laughs> so far recently <laughs> i you know losses are just too easy i love to uh, again maybe it's the high school the former high school football coach in me but i love to think about those those big wins i mean they're a lot more fun you can you can think about the 2012 season and what you know that patriots regular season game where you know the sunday night game the tory smith game 
that could be a whole episode. There, there are just monumental wins. But this game, to me, changed the Ravens franchise and, and possibly in a way that we're a wave that we're still running on to this day. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and, you know, one of the things is for sure true is that this is still one of the greatest home games of all time, whether you want to put the Chiefs game in the same category or the or the Patriots game from 2012 or you know, there are several others as well. 2003 Seattle certainly should be in that group. Oh, yeah. But, but it's it's this is this is really one of the great games of all time. And it's a. Uh, uh, Josh, really appreciate having you on. Where can folks talk football with you? Yeah, so I love to talk football. I'm a little opinionated, but I'm on Twitter at uh, Word of J, uh, which is short for Word of Josh. I do throw out a, a football podcast uh, on my Facebook page, Word of Josh. So uh, every Monday night, I, I do what I call Monday Night Josh and just kind of do a quick Ravens recap. Uh, I'm also from New York, so I do hit some Giants talk for my uh, my family up there. But yeah, Twitter, talk to me, Word of Jay, uh, Word of Josh podcast. And uh, Ken, it's, it's been a pleasure. I love reading all your stuff and your your line breakdowns are just tremendous. I can't well, thank thanks. you enough for the amount of time and effort you put into them. I, I, I appreciate you taking a read, Josh. And, and thanks for coming on uh, as well. Uh, we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.